all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Happy Festivus. <laughs> right? Isn't that a Seinfeld reference? It is. Okay. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and TikTok. A lot of T's in there. Yes. At All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. Got it right on the second turn. There we go. <laughs> I have not. We, that's the Seinfeld you should show me is wherever they talk about Festivus. I See, I didn't think that one was all that funny. Really? Yeah. I mean, there are funnier ones, way funnier ones to me than that episode. It lasted. It made its way into the mainstream. I mean, that, that and even after watching the Soup Nazi episode, mm-hmm. even though that became like a cultural thing, mm-hmm. the episode itself was, uh, it was okay. Like, there are episodes where I've like fucking laughed. Like, okay. and a couple of those episodes, I was like, ah, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, it's I not get as the... funny as you remembered or no. were thinking. No. Gotcha. And a lot of the stuff, because let's keep in mind the show ran from 89 to 98. Yeah. So a lot of things are just topical that. Yes. Uh, like, just things that don't happen anymore. Jerry Seinfeld's comedy does not age well. No. Because comedy, he's talking Comedy about... generally doesn't anyway. Depends on what you're talking it about. It does. Some people get like philosophical or like I yeah. feel like George, George Carlin, Carlin will always hold yeah. up. Yes, there. Mm-hmm. But that's like that's that you're. We're literally talking about like ten comedians out of right tens of thousands. Yeah. yeah. But um, I mean, comedy itself is just topical, and it's like watching an old Saturday Night Live episode. It's like I bet that was uh-huh. really. It's like, I bet that was really hilarious when I was 15 in 1992, but that it's just Jimmy not... That Jimmy Carter joke was funny back yeah. then. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, now you watch it and it's like, yeah, that's just, I, I remember it being funnier than that. There was... I remember seeing, like, a an old skit from SNL, like, Chevy Chase mm-hmm. was... He was when never he was a cast playing... member. He was always a recurring guest star. He was, yeah. But he played Gerald Ford. Yes, he did. Decorating the Christmas tree and kept being falling like down. a klutz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's because Gerald Ford was the actual president at that He was. Point. But I know nothing about Gerald Ford. Same. I was literally alive. I became alive, a living person, <laughs> four days before he left office. So. I was born smack in the middle. Yes, you are. Of Reagan. You, you are an actual Reagan baby. Yes. So is your sister. Yes. Unfortunately, I am. Um, in fact, I am, I am a, I'm a Gerald Ford baby. Barely a Gerald. Barely. Definitely Mostly a, a Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. Carter baby. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when this comes out, it will be one day after my birthday. Yes, it will. Yes. So, uh. Happy birthday. Thank you. What wonderful things are we drinking because you remembered to bring me craft beer? Well, because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> What are you having? You are having a glass of water, I believe. No, I'm going to tell you in a minute. What are you having? (laughs) Unless that's like a really tall thing of vodka. What are you having? I'm having a Miller Lite. Yes, because how many Miller Lights did you buy today and bring home? I bought 18 of them. How many craft beers did you bring home for me? Uh, There's a thing of vodka over there, it looks like. (laughs) This is not vodka. Do you want to try it, though? What is it? Then I'll tell you. Well, you have to try it first. It's pretty good, I think. Hmm. 
Is there liquor in there? Yeah, a little bit. What, what's so, in there? <laughs> the liquor I had to choose from mm-hmm. in our stash was dry vermouth. There you go. Uh, Saint that's Germain. A, that's, that's a winner right port. there. Yeah, those <laughs> so are I all cho- those are all winners. I chose the Saint Germain. That's Saint Germain elderflower liqueur in a mango grapefruit oh, that's what I'm, seltzer. That's what I'm tasting. Mm-hmm. The mango. I think it's pretty good actually. Yeah, it's, it's not, not bad. that bad. Mm-hmm. We do need to get some liquor for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Liquor. Uh, remember, kids. Well, not kids. Remember, remember, remember adults. <laughs> people, people, people of age. <laughs> people of age to drink and apparently buy cigarettes. Like apparently yeah, that happened that, like a year ago, yeah, and I, I was not informed. It did. Probably because I wasn't affected. Yeah. <laughs> if I was nineteen years old, I'm, I'm pretty sure I would know about it. Imagine like but, the nineteen uh, and twenty year old smokers. Like you I wonder if they grandfathered quit. them in. Because my oldest cousin missed like there was a time in this country where yeah, you had to be was 18 yeah my oldest cousin like was going to turn 18 like six months before they changed it to 21 mm. but like he said like a lot of bars and stuff like that and especially in canada they didn't want to lose yeah. the fucking business uh-huh. so they were like if you're close mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. you know yeah, i'm surprised big tobacco lost that battle yeah right I think yeah. it was just one of those things, like you know, if we if we just, we have to give up something. Maybe they were losing them like all to vaping anyway. Yeah, pretty probably. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's still tobacco. It is, but it's not. Different companies it, are in the vaping industry, right? I think it's all big tobacco. I think they own most of those by now. It's like it's like when they came out with the quit smoking products. Like uh-huh. those were still all owned by like Philip Morris and <laughs> literally well, making money on both ends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, wow, we just went off on a tangent. We sure did. Oh, well. Um, Merry Christmas to Are we anyone... doing a show? Yes, apparently, <laughs> allegedly. Merry Christmas to anyone who celebrates. I missed saying Happy Hanukkah when it was timely. It came really early this year. I always associate Hanukkah with my birthday because I was born during Hanukkah. I, I think because Hanukkah is eight days, correct? Eight crazy nights, right? Yeah. And I think because of that, for some reason, I always think Hanukkah starts on December 8th. Oh, like it's, yeah, like it's date dependent. <laughs> so, no. Like in my mind, Hanukkah is always like a week into December. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. No. But, it, but apparently like a couple years ago, it started on Thanksgiving. Remember oh, yeah. That? It, 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 was like the, it doesn't run on the Gregorian calendar. Yeah, I which I, yeah. I don't uh-huh. understand at all. Well, we only us we modern day humans calendar. only understand linear timelines. It is linear. <laughs> it is, but in a weird way. No, it's yeah. a, we're the ones who came up with the weird thing. But anyway, true. Um. So yeah, this is our this episode's coming out a bit before Christmas, like five days or something mm-hmm. like that. But as has been, I think our tradition since year one, which is this our fifth Christmas episode or our fourth? I think it's our sixth. No, it wouldn't be our fifth. It's our fifth. It's our fifth. Yes. Because yeah. yes. four years ago would have been our first one. So this is our fifth one. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. 21. Yes. <laughs> it's really sad that we had to count that yeah, out. It, well, I didn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I understand. Thank you for that. No beer? <laughs> you insult my intelligence. Thank you. Yeah, you got elderflower. Yeah. <laughs> we could bust open that that case. Uh, that case. That uh, bottle thing. of port. Yeah, we should because you know when we got that, I got that for it you for last Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> hey, it's port wine; it lasts forever. It's, yes, that bottle of uh, um, Castronovo Montepulciano de Bruzzo is and like your, uh, six your years old. Your custom bottle of uh, oh that, my, that thing's like uh, nine well, or ten not years old. Wild turkey, uh, Woodford Reserve. Yeah, it's like oh, is at least nine it's years nine old. Nine years old. Because you had it before mm. we met. Mm-hmm. 
It's nine years old. I mean, well, at least, like you said, I don't know when it was bottled. Yeah. It's very aged by now. Yes, it is. Mm. We were supposed to crack it open on several different occasions. Many and just never did. occasions. So <laughs> many different occasions. Yeah. So, Miracle Sewed. Okay, yes. Yay. I think we're in need of one after that last, well, last and, couple episodes. And we're hoping for a fun episode next week, right? For New Year's? It is going to be fun because we, we have reserves our special guest that's right we booked our guest we booked our guest <laughs> uh i just have to do the research sometime in the next two days but this oh, will have fun with that this will force me to do it yes but th- that will be our new year's episode mm-hmm. um so we're doing something uh not off topic that's the wrong word off brand for us a little bit a little bit we tend to do that around new Year's. So. we do yeah we do Oh, uh, well, no, because they we all... did the Death Star. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's... Man, that was four years ago. That was four years ago, yeah. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, as we reminisce, <laughs> what do you have in store for us tonight? Yes. Yeah, so this topic was... Or this morning, depending on where you are. <laughs> exactly. Um, we uh, we got a suggestion. I, I just looked at our spreadsheet for Miracle Sodes. Because mm-hmm. I, I will, um, anytime somebody suggests one, I'll put Miracle Sode so then I can, if I'm looking for one, I can just search for it. And I found one that was suggested by both Ash and Rook. And it is the story, my script is buried over here. <laughs> this is the story of British Airways Flight 009, also called British Airways Flight 9. Okay. Um, but the, it was actually 009. So, on June 24th, 1982, hmm. British Airways Flight 009 was unfortunate enough to find itself flying directly in the path of an erupting volcano. Holy shit. Despite the like result... Like Independence Day, but in real life. <laughs> Despite the resulting engine flameouts uh, yeah. or failures, the crew was somehow able to safely land the aircraft, resulting in no deaths, no injuries. What? Among any of okay, the Okay, the no deaths, I'm like, it's a miracle zone, so I hope that's... that's but right. no injuries. Nobody hurt. Wow. Traumatized, yes. Hurt? Uh, no. Yeah, probably never flew again, most of those people. You know! <laughs> <laughs> but literally, you, you get one chance to fly into a volcano, and they, they took it. It's not exactly how it works, but, you know but we'll I mean. talk about yeah. it. <laughs> okay. Primary... The odds of that are literally in the trillions <laughs> that that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about how unusually common it is. But not, really? I wouldn't call it common, but how not... So it's not happened just this one time? No. Okay. No. That's in fact, I was originally going to make this the story of three planes. Okay. I just picked the one to focus on, but we'll talk about the other two a little bit later. All right. So primary sources, aviation-professional.net, BBC, ericmoody.com, The Log Magazine, um, the article that I actually got a lot of info from was called Down to a Sunless Sea, The Anatomy of an Incident. The NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, Oregon State University's Volcano World. <sighs> Fizz.org. Okay. As a volcano. Full-blown volcano involved. But this isn't Mount St. Helens because that was 1980, right? That's right. This is not to do with Mount St. Helens. Because you said, like, uh, what did you say about Seattle? You just said something about... Oregon State University's volcano. Oh, I gotcha. So you were thinking, no, no, no. It just happened to be their website. I mean, they've got volcanoes there. Sure. (laughs) But um, Fizz.org, 
that's P-H-Y-S dot org, not F-I-Z-Z. The U.S. Geological Survey, or USGS, Volcano Cafe, and Wikipedia. So, uh, let's first meet the plane, then we'll meet the volcano, and then we'll meet when the plane meets the volcano. Sounds like a plan. So, British Airways Flight 009 was a Boeing 747-236B, also called the City of Edinburgh, and also known as Speedbird 9. It was a transcontinental flight flying from London's Heathrow Airport to Auckland Airport in Auckland, New Zealand. But it had four stops before Auckland along its route. So it went from, it was going from London to Sahar Airport in Bombay, India. This is how long ago this was. Bombay is now called Mumbai, but that was (laughs) where it was back then. Uh That's right. Um, then from Bombay to Sultan Abdul Aziz Shah Airport in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Then from Malaysia... I would have, I would have guessed wrong. <laughs> what were we... Could you guess? I, w- I was thinking it would, would have been like the UAE, UAE or but something, it, but yeah. I don't think that was... was oh, that goodness. I don't know when the UAE was founded. It might have been, I don't but... Know. It's not an old country, I know that. I don't think so, but I'm it's like not dec- It's my... like decades old, from what I understand. As a country, yeah. not, certainly not, not as, as a, an area. No, that's no, no, like no. cradle of civilization. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, okay. Um. Then it flew from Kuala Lumpur to Perth, Australia, or that's what that's where it was flying. <laughs> and then it didn't make it from Perth to Melbourne <laughs> or Melbourne. Melbourne, which he had a hair pulled. Hair. <laughs> we have a nice head of hair. <laughs> The plane had 248 passengers and 15 wow. crew members, so 263 like a, people on board. That's all. I'm going to guess that was probably a full flight. Well, it, this is a 747 flying transcontinental. They're going to be And flying from, like, not a capital city, but major city to major city to major city. These are all major cities, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's probably booked. Yep. From London to New Zealand. That's a huge yeah. flight. Yeah. That's why they stopped so many times. Yeah, they got to refuel and... Switch out flight crew. Yep. Uh, one source I saw said that there was 247 passengers, but that's just one off, yeah, so, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, they all lived, so it's neither here nor there. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they're all alive. Yeah, they're all alive. Or they were that's, all alive at the, the time. That's anyway. the important thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not entirely sure of who the crew on board at the beginning of the flight was, but at the time of the incident, they actually had a relatively young flight deck crew. Uh, the captain was 41-year-old Eric Henry Moody. Uh, the senior engineer officer was 40, and he was Barry Townley Freeman. And then the first senior first officer was uh, Richard Greaves, and he was 32. Okay. So, I mean, that sounds kind of young to me. A lot of these flights, you know... But even back then, there. though, I'm going to guess most of these guys were in the military. Oh, possibly. I mean, yeah. these are this British. Yeah. They're largely British And it's 1982. But... This is, um, oh damn, I think that's Graves, Moody, and, um, shoot, I forgot the other guy's name. Townley Freeman, I okay. think. Or that's Townley Freeman and that's Graves. Or I forget. vice which. versa. <coughs> Very handsome, middle-aged men. Yeah, yeah. Except for the one guy. The one guy looks 32. pretty young. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had come on board the plane in Kuala Lumpur to fly to Perth, and that would make sense that they'd switch out flight crews. To, mm-hmm. Because it's such a long flight. Yeah. Some people were getting off at various stopovers sure. or getting on, and some people were going the whole flight. So the volcano. <laughs> Let's meet the volcano now. 
the Volcano Flight 009 had the misfortune of meeting that night in 1982 was Mount Gelungung, or also simply known as Gelungung. And here is Mount Gelungung. From a couple different... Doesn't even... Uh... Doesn't even look all that threatening. No, it kind of looks like no. peaceful low mountain yeah. range, right? Looks like nice scenery in the background. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is kind of scenic, right? So Galungung is in Indonesia on the island of Java. I feel like we've mentioned Java before, but I don't know when. It's not the 04 uh, Boxing Day tsunami. That was closer to Sumatra, I think, which is the big, bigger island to the, the northwest. Um, uh, so the island of Java is southeast of Sumatra, and it's actually just west of Bali. So this happened very close to Bali. Okay. Um, and, and actually, where's uh, Bali again? Indonesia. That's this right. This is all okay. Indonesia. Yeah. Um, so Java and Bali are separated by, I mean, what looks like an inch of water on, uh, on map. Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just barely, barely. Um, they're it's probably, very close. It's probably like a mile. Maybe. I, it's hard to judge yeah. from yeah, Google Maps. So on, on the island of Sumatra, Galungung is kind of nearish to the western end or central western end. And it's about 170 kilometers or 105 miles southeast, east southeast rather, of Jakarta, which is... a uh, India. Uh, mm-hmm. No. No, no, Indonesia. <laughs> oh, I thought Jakarta was... Oh, okay. No, Jakarta's right. in Indonesia. I'm, I'm learning things mm-hmm. again. Uh, so its location, the fact that this volcano is in this area, is not at all surprising. We've talked about the Pacific's infamous Ring of Fire, right? Yeah, a couple and of times. This is well within that and part of it. Um, Galungung was formed due to the subduction of the Australian tectonic plate under, yep, mm-hmm, the Eurasian tectonic plate. Not the same plates as the tsunami, interestingly. The volcano is 2,168 meters or 7,133 feet tall. It doesn't look like it's that. It doesn't, but it must just be the perspective or whatever. Yeah. And it has a horseshoe-shaped caldera. That's the crater. Okay. So the picture, it's a little tricky to yeah, see. Yeah, it's too, it needs to be an overhead if you, picture. If you zoomed out of there, yeah. you would see there's like a... This is like a corner of it. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Like, kind of like a U-shape. Now, that unique shape, the fact that it's horseshoe and not fully circular, indicates that at some point in the past, it actually had a massive landslide that collapsed mm. that part of the volcano. Um, Galungung is known for having very long periods of dormancy, which can actually make it a little extra dangerous because people forget. Sure, because people forget. forget. <laughs> and generations, mm. yeah, almost like forgetting about what it's like to live through a pandemic or yeah, something, you know. Something like that. Hmm. Uh, so then people got more comfortable moving back to the area. Uh, the first recorded eruption of Galungung was also its worst to date. 4,011 people died in 1822 from the mud flow resulting wow. from... So yeah. we're talking about exactly 160 years later. Yeah, yeah basically. Mm-hmm. That's enough now, for... Now, anyway. Yeah, that's enough for Oh, like, no, no, then you're yeah. right, yeah. That's enough for like six generations of people to forget. Right, yeah. Yep. Uh, the next eruption was almost a century later in 1918, and then the one involved in the 1982 incident. So you can see how irregular these are, like almost 100 years-ish, you know. 
Uh, the eruption involved in this particular incident actually occurred over several months, from April 1982 to January 1983, and this length of eruption actually isn't all that uncommon. Only about 9% of volcanic eruptions finish within one day. Yeah, that kind of uh, makes sense, I guess. The slight majority it's of... It's a vo- long process. Yeah, the, a slight majority of volcanoes have finished erupting within two months, but 47% continue after two months of eruption. Wow. 83% of volcanoes are done erupting within a year. Um, and It's so fucking crazy that volcanoes even exist. I know. I mean, it's literally... Wild. Yeah, it's literally really like... Wild. Like the pits of hell coming out of the earth for two months at a time in most cases. In almost in almost half of the cases. Yeah. The world is wild. Yeah. Nature is wild. Yeah, I mean it's, it's just it just goes yes, it just goes to show like the earth is a living thing. Yes. Uh-huh. And I, I think I, I tweeted this recently, like we're lu- or maybe commented on something on Facebook, but we're lucky nature isn't sentient or we Oh it. yeah, we, we, we would have been gone <laughs> a long time yep. ago. Like mm-hmm. we never even would have rose up in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. It would have been like fuck yeah, you. We're like, yeah, we're gonna put an end to this like now. Mm-hmm. Right now right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Would have been the right choice. Uh fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> right, right before the fun fact. <laughs> the world's longest recorded volcanic eruption began in 1774 and is still going on. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's called Mount Yasur on the island of Tana in a country I am ashamed to admit I didn't know existed called Vanuatu. I... There's a country called Vanuatu. Okay. So... Um, unsurprisingly, Vanuatu is also within the Ring of Fire, east oh, yeah. of Australia and north of New Zealand. Yeah, not a surprise mm-hmm. at all. So it's been erupting since a year before the Revolutionary War started. Yeah, basically. That's crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. The Earth is fucking crazy. It's wild. Um, so despite how bonkers this topic sounds, like a plane flying through vo- a volcanic eruption... It's happened many times. So, in fact, like, as I said, I was going to make this a story of three flights, but I'm just going to kind of touch on the other two at the end. Um, those, those three flights are not the only flights to experience this. Between 1953 and 2016, a total of 253 incidents of aircraft going through That's way too volcanic many. eruptions yeah, were recorded. Interestingly... None resulted in a crash. That's that's fucking emergency amazing. landings. Sure. Yes, no crashes. Probably in most cases, I would guess an emergency landing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like very... we need to get on the ground. Mm-hmm. There's a fucking the, the earth is exploding in front right? of me. Very interestingly, 122 of those 253, so almost half of those incidents, happened between 2010 and 2016. Okay. But we're also going to kind of touch on why that might be at the very end of this. So. Okay, I already have a, a theory, but I'll save it for it I'll is? save it for the end okay. when we talk about it. So the problem with uh, stuff spewing from volcanoes while planes are in the air above, um, it can literally be carried for thousands of miles. We learned Into that with the atmosphere. The, yep, we learned that with the air without a summer, right? Yeah. Back then, in the with air a without lot of a summer, force, a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. Back then in the air without a summer, they didn't have planes. So it didn't disrupt air traffic. 
Oh, just you know. disrupted the world farming. And what? Yep, and weather and everything. Um, so this is more of a modern hazard, obviously. But the problem here's there's lots of problems with for <laughs> like why is it there. dangerous? Why is it dangerous to fly through an, a, the plume? Not not the volcano. No, I mean, but the plume is bad enough. Yeah. Why? I mean, the first thing would be visibility. Okay. Yep. Good one. I mean, you're flying into a plume of smoke that's that thick. Plus, as our our good friend James let us know, smoke creates more fire by its mm. like its chemical compounds. But would that and all also the... happen with ash? I'm, but I'm just but I'm smoke. But I'm just person. saying it would it would be like another thing you might have to deal with. Or but anyway, I didn't see that mentioned, but that's an interesting hypothesis. Yeah, but I mean the first thing like you wouldn't be able to see. Yep, visibility. And I'm ge- and I'm right. guessing your aircraft to a certain extent would be getting pelted by like little bits of ash. Yeah, uh huh. Which probably isn't great for the plane. Mm-hmm. I'm not not sure if they're meant to hold up on those. So on an, that. Yeah, right. Another interesting thing is that when you're in the air, a volcano a volcano cloud can just look like a cloud. Sure. So you sometimes don't know what you're flying into. Yeah. Um the uh other thing is <laughs> imagine, that imagine doing it at night, which I'm wondering if it well, was it prob- at night. I'll I'll spoiler alert, yeah. But then I was gonna say, like it probably looks like night anyway, because when a volcano erupts, it fucking disrupts the atmosphere. Well, no, it was actually in the evening and also it was June in the southern hemisphere. So okay. it would have been the dead of winter. Gotcha. So it was it was dark early there too, right? Um, weather radar doesn't pick up volcanic ash clouds because it actually relies on moisture Mm. and ash is dry. So it doesn't get picked up on radar, weather radar. Um, and then the material that comprises ash poses a lot of hazards to planes. Silica is found in the debris of a volcanic eruption. It's very, very hard. And abrasive, so it can basically just sandblast a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also mel- melts at temperatures just below the temps at which jet engines burn. So it can melt within the engine, uh-huh. clog it, and cause engine oh, failure. God. And then there's also gas involved in volcanic sure. debris, like sulfur dioxide and chlorine. Fucking deadly, deadly yeah. gas. And that's also, cro- it's not only bad for people, it's corrosive to metal. So. Oh my god. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to fly in a plane. Again. <laughs> Maybe just not over a known not a, yeah. active volcano. Like I'll, I'll just like check on uh, whatever website I use. Like are we going to be flying over a volcano? <laughs> well, let me show you the path of this flight. Roughly. this I just looked. It's pretty much Google like maps. a straight shot though. Like a little South. arc. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, from and that's Kuala Lumpur, mm-hmm. and then you can see basically Glungung's like right there, and then Perth on the western side of Australia. Okay. So that's the leg that 009 was flying from Kuala Lumpur to Perth. An eight-hour and five-minute flight. Really, it said yes. it was scheduled to take about five hours. All yeah, the sources that's what I it, saw. So it says on this. This is like a Google Map thing you did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, maybe those... I did find some weird inconsistencies in some... I mean, this is a while. Yeah. Back. it's yeah, So it's whatever. possible it was supposed to take longer. But I did see a couple sources that said five hours. Anyway. Still, either way. That's yep. a fucking long flight. It was flying in the evening. Like I said, uh, the weather was clear. There was 
everything was going to be smooth sailing as far as anybody knew. Like, there was no, nothing amiss. The crew, so they, they took off. The crew had already had dinner by the time they flew over Jakarta. <laughs> I found reference, they had satay. So, nice. here we go, just in case anyone wanted to know. And so they were flying at around 37,000 feet or 11,000 meters. Weather radar was clear. Everything looked good. The captain, Eric Moody, got up, went to go use the crew toilet. Um, but it was occupied, so he hung out uh, and talked with the forward purser, Sarah Delane Lee. So they're sitting there chatting, and he gets called around 8.40 p.m., local time, like Jakarta time. Uh, he gets summoned back to the flight deck by flight attendant Fiona Wright. So he starts making his way back up to the, the cockpit, and he sees smoke coming through the floor vents. Uh, that would be terrifying. Maybe a little concerning as yeah. the pilot to be in the cabin of the plane seeing smoke coming through the floor vents. And he also noticed what he would later describe as an acrid smell. He sure. Said it almost sounded, he said it almost smelled electrical. Okay. Um, so, you know, oh, did his God. little hustle to get back to the cockpit. Didn't know at the time that that was just the beginning of the disturbing things that oh, were about Jesus to happen. Christ. Yeah. So he gets back to his captain's seat and joins the rest of his flight crew witnessing St. Elmo's fire out the front of the plane. Have you ever heard of St. Elmo's no. fire? I thought it was a song in a movie. Right? When I Googled image, St. Elmo's Fire is yeah. the fucking Breakfast Club crew no, or whatever. Not, no. What are they called the... Oh, it was the crew, yes. Not the... not The Brat Pack. It? I was going to say the Bang Gang. That makes the bang no gang. sense. <laughs> well, you know, they were probably that, that too. That makes no this sense. This is before social media. The Brat it, Pack, that's right. The Bang Gang. That makes no sense. That's just gross. <laughs> but I couldn't get it out of my head. Brat Pack. The Brat Pack. <sighs> yes. I knew it. <laughs> it's better than the Pussy Posse, I'll tell you that. All right, so St. Elmo's Fire is a weather phenomenon, and I've got some pictures of it, but I'm going to try I, I to explain really what it is. That that, I thought that, yeah, this is crazy. No, it, it's pretty wild, too. I turned to Wikipedia to learn about it. It was too hard, so I went to Reddit, ELI5, explain like I'm five, and it was a lot more helpful. <laughs> um, so, do you know those, uh, those globes that you find in... Uh, like science stores or PBS stores or whatever. It's like a little crystal ball with this like colored lightning inside. Yeah, yeah, the magnetic. And it, yeah, and if yeah. you touch it, it yeah. like will go to the tips of your fingers mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever. So that's called a plasma globe. Okay. And th- that's basically what St. Elmo's fire is, except in the middle of the sky. So here's another thing I learned. Um, what are the states of matter? Of, oh, of a material like what can you do to an uh to water right it's liquid solid or gas right did you know there's a fucking fourth state of matter i couldn't name the first three so <laughs> and the fourth state of matter is plasma okay which i didn't know I and didn't it's know weird yeah and it's apparently like an electro charged gas okay and it runs throughout our bodies no no, no. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's yeah, something different. Yeah. 
I could be wrong, but I think plasma in your blood is something different. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd be <laughs> if I if I touched you, like your plasma gets attracted to my fingers electromagnetically. Yeah, yeah it'd be like a uh, you know the X Men. <laughs> there you go. We're all storm, yes. really. <laughs> so, the the stuff in that globe, the bright colored stuff, is is plasma. Um, I am very over oversimplifying all of this, right? We know that. Uh, anyway, now kind of. Backtracking a little, we know lightning can happen in a storm, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a charge from the ground, charge in the sky, opposite charges, spark, lightning. Well, that can happen midair, too. Yeah, that's fucking scary. Yeah. So it's it's not, you know, you see lightning, it's going from the ground to the Mm -hmm. sky and vice versa, right? Um, So bear with me here. In some storms, the air itself can create an electrical charge. That sparks then and there, and that kind of spark is called a coronal discharge. Okay. And then if that charge, if that spark is we're talking high, about, we're talking about the sky taking a shit. Basically, <laughs> well, if that if that discharge is high enough voltage, then it actually changes the state of the air from gas to plasma. That's. I know. I, yeah. I know. And that causes... How do you discover these things? Like, how does, how does this work? <laughs> I don't know. What do, Somebody's smarter than wh- me, that's Why are sure. we here? <laughs> what is Where, where did life? we come from? <laughs> um, and that causes the brightly colored display known as St. Elmo's Fire. And the colors are because of the frequency of the lights. And here are two examples of St. Elmo's Fire viewed from... The fucking fucking no thanks. Oh my god, this looks like a fucking. I can't tell if this is like a movie or a video game that I'm Mm. looking at, like a still from. These are actual photos. I know, (laughs) but that's what it looks like. It looks like lightning in the sky, right? Like, but but not really because it branches off. Yeah, it looks like almost arteries. Yeah. uh, um, Actually, that's exactly what it looks like. Or arteries, veins. Yeah. Oh, yep. Fuck that. Yeah. yeah. Demetrius. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, Demetrius. It's almost their dinner time. We timed this poorly. Anyway. So that's St. Elmo's Fire. Now you know what St. Elmo's Fire is. No, thanks. I know. I never want to see that. <laughs> it actually looks pretty cool, but the I'll circumstances. Let, I'll let somebody rich. else take a picture of it, and I'll just look <laughs> at that instead. <laughs> now. Under normal circumstances, maybe this is a cool thing to witness in a plane. No, fucking no, it's not. (laughs) You're in the middle of the fucking sky. Well, actually, (laughs) Captain Moody later told the BBC, quote, that's not unusual in a high, wispy cloud. But it developed into something more than we'd ever seen before. Uh, Yeah. That was his quote. Just the, yeah. Um, Also, remember he said it's not unusual in high, wispy clouds. Well, they checked the radar. Witnessing St. Elmo's fire, which happens in clouds. No clouds on the radar. So this thing's coming out of uh, that's fucking, nowhere. That's just fucking creepy. Yeah. And then things started getting a little intense. So maybe St. Elmo's fire is not like terrifying to these guys, but um, they noticed <laughs> that the engines, from the engines, there was like this strobe like effect of electrical discharges shooting out of the engine because they're flying into plasma 
<laughs> They're turning into plasma. <laughs> and actually some passengers witnessed this as well. They said it was blue. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> um, it also... <laughs> This is wild. It created an optical illusion to the pilots where it looked like the plane, the engine fans reversed and slowed. <laughs> Just all, it sounds like a nightmare is what it sounds like. You yeah, know, it sounds like, things up. it sounds like they were tripping hard, but they, yeah. they were not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'd rather this see that if all... I'm tripping my balls off. <laughs> right. Mm. <laughs> uh, like I wouldn't, but it'd, right. be, it'd be better than like it really happening to mm-hmm. me. So they... Put on the fasten seatbelt sign. Yeah. Uh, um, put out your cigarettes, too. This is, this is <laughs> yeah, 1982. <laughs> or is this the moment where, like, fucking do light up? Like, like, like this is it. This is the whatever. end. Yeah, whatever you want to do. If you're um, five years old, try one out. You never know. And then it got more terrifying than St. Elmo's fire. St. Elmo's fire faded. And uh, what they would later describe as what appeared to be trace bullets started hitting the windshield this is that silica shit the plane started to get sandblasted Mm -hmm. by this ash yeah um and that also started eroding the pilot's only view of what was in front of them so all of this would be terrifying but all of that was immediately superseded by what happened next one by one over the course of about two minutes all four of the engine, the plane's engines went out. failed. Yep. So these were actually really good pilots. They responded with the correct emergency procedures. Doesn't mean it wasn't scary as shit, but they responded right. correctly. Um, even though multiple instruments on their panels either froze yeah. or the needles just dropped to zero. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. They're like, um, hello, Mayday, <laughs> to Jakarta Air Traffic Control. They're like, hello, Mayday. <laughs> that really did sound like the... Uh... <laughs> hello, Mayday, Chantillilis. <laughs> There's a reason I'm not a pilot. There's many reasons yeah, I'm not a pilot. Quite a few, actually, me and myself included. Yes. <laughs> I have a funny story to tell you about work okay. later All regarding right. that. Um, and how I come across maybe a little too casually and flip in formal situations. Anyway, um, so sure it's gonna be a good one. <laughs> they called. I don't know why I'm doing the phone because it's, it's a it's a they call them. It's breaker a, breaker it's a CB. It's a radio. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I was just doing the sound <laughs> effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you you speak. <laughs> okay. In CB voice. <laughs> Um, so then they put, as they were supposed to, put the plane into autopilot. And the plane started gliding. Sure, yeah. Which is the protocol. Mm-hmm. It it, it's, a, it's up high enough in the air and it's going fast enough where that's, and it, they, for the moment. The crew like, did the calculations yeah. and it would, for every mile that it dropped, it would go forward 15 miles. So they were okay. starting to calculate, like, what are we doing here? But they're probably not getting out of the ocean. Well, so they initially yeah. turned back to Jakarta. Oh, sure. That's right. Because they're right off the coast. Yep. Yeah. So let's turn back towards Jakarta yeah. was the idea. Yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, when they put in that Mayday call, um, Jakarta Air Traffic Control initially misunderstood them. They said all four 
engines are gone, they heard or thought they heard um, engine four is gone. So they thought oh. that they had three working engines. They did not. Fortunately, another flight nearby was like, uh-uh, that's not like what they said. They like said they're all out. So they yeah. clarified. <laughs> um, Damn. So the plane was gliding on autopilot. Passengers were obviously terrified. Um, I, there's smoke coming in the I, Yeah, in the, the fucking... Meantime. The fucking... You're trapped in the middle of a video game? <laughs> yeah. Like, literally? Yeah, basically. It's like the world's worst VR. Uh, yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah, don't put that in a VR game. Mm-mm. Don't anybody get any ideas. No way. We don't want people jumping off buildings and shit. No. <laughs> um, a passenger named Charles Capwell wrote a note on the front of his ticket holder because i'm dead well it said quote ma in trouble plane going down we'll do best for boys we love you sorry pa this is is it yep it's like sorry do the best we can jesus christ so the plane had lost uh, when the plane had lost eleven thousand feet of altitude at an altitude of twenty six thousand feet or eight (sighs) thousand meters Air pressure became an issue on the flight deck. Sure. Um, or the cockpit. Uh, so they had to pull out their oxygen masks, the crew did, the flight crew. And this I could be getting a little mixed up, but that's what I interpreted from this one article in the log. So I'm not sure why the cockpit would have different pressure than the back of the plane. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, continue that's, with that's, this. <laughs> that's, that, that's other science yeah. that we don't have time to get into. First officer, Roger Greaves, like the rest of the guys, pulled out his mask from the little packet or whatever and the plastic tube was disconnected so it wasn't doing him much good he like starts trying to get that thing back together um and then the captain's thinking to himself like shit we're gliding and that's cool and we have our oxygen masks except for my first officer who's going to die of oxygen deprivation if i don't get this down a little sooner so he decided to increase the descent rate okay. to protect his first officer. So he sped up the descent. Though ironically, at 20,000 feet or 6,000 meters, Greaves had actually managed to reassemble the mask. And I saw in this article, they're like, that says something about like his ability to have steady hands, even no though it was shit. terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So the crew was constantly trying to restart the engines, not working, not working, not working. The plane hit 14,000 feet or 4,200 meters. And at that point, cabin masks came down. Sure. So now it's it's everybody in the back's got their masks. Um, And Captain Moody's like, to this point, he hasn't said anything. Oh my god! Oh, that's true. Because they're because they're busy. They're like there's literally doing shit. They have to put out a fire like every 10 yep. seconds. Yep. So they're like, probably pretty sure the passengers know that we're all going to die. <laughs> like, let's just, like, let's focus on other things. So he's like, damn, you know, now they're seeing the masks. And he's like, okay, I, I, I got to talk to them. So he goes on his little, little intercom, right? And here's what he says. Quote, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We have a small problem. <laughs> All four engines have stopped. We are doing our damnedest to get them going again. I trust you are not in too much distress. End quote. <laughs> that's pretty, you know what? That's pretty fucking good. That's, um, uh, I, I, I still would have ended it like, you know, smoke him if you got him. 
Like, you know, this is it. I vote, you know that, um, what, Travelocity or whatever, Captain Obvious, Expedia, yeah. Captain yeah. Obvious. I, I, vote I want him we to call read him, that. I, yes. I vote we call him Captain Understatement. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you, Small problem. Too much distress. We're literally flying through, uh, Oh, also uh, imagine uh, all that in a British accent. Oh yeah, that would be even better. You know what? That probably made it more soothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's like, uh, like, how am I going to explain to these people that we're flying through plasma? We're flying, through, <laughs> flying plasma, through, silica, flying through a solid that only that, like you know, until like five days ago, nobody knew existed. <laughs> Um, speaking of distress, the pilots are now like, okay, how are we going to land? How are we this? going to die? I mean, land the plane. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, like are we just going to, like, straight shot into the ground well, no, so, we, so we're sure actually, nobody survives? Here was actually what they were preparing for. It is nighttime. It is dark. There's no moon out. Oh, that makes it even and worse. And they're over water. Yeah. Uh, a pitch black Fucked. ocean landing is what they're looking and for. And their instruments are... And Dis- they can barely dysfunctional. See. And they can barely see. Then, while preparing for the worst, and it would have been the worst, they managed to restart one of the engines. No shit. A minute and a half later, all remaining engines had been restarted. Holy they fuck. were at 12,000 feet or 3,600 meters. They climbed back up a little, but then they started to see St. Elmo's fire again. They're like, and they're yeah, like no, yeah, we're going, we're going back, down. back down. No, no. Yep. And we're going to turn around. Yeah. They were cleared to land in Jakarta. So they start approaching the runway at Jakarta. And they're like, um, so we need to see lights to land. And we can't see shit out oh, of God. this windshield. Oh, um, fuck. I, I was thinking like, to, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm going to show you. We don't have a picture of the windshield. Oh, shoot. Where is it? What? Shit. I, I could have sworn I printed that out. Here. Was it one of those and we skipped over it? Oh, yeah. I think it's behind here. Oh. Yep. Oh, nope. Nope. <laughs> no? Damn it. Okay. Anyway, I, um, I guess I I'll have to for? describe it. Um, it's, it was in a PDF. I don't think it's going to be on there. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, so basically they were, um, displaying... Yeah, okay. I know. They were um <laughs> they they were showing a light cover of one of the plane's lights. It's probably about yay big like you know, chest to head tall. Um that was supposed to be completely clear, right? Cuz the light shone through it. It was a cover. Somebody was holding it in front of their face completely opaque, completely white. <laughs> like that's what they were looking out of was just black, blanked out. Right? So they can't see the lights on the yeah, runway. I'm guessing they don't have like a window washer fluid at like a <laughs> well, plane. Well, and that's not the problem. It's abraded. Oh, it's that's true. It's just fucking. Yeah. Imagine somebody sandblasted your windshield. Yeah, you couldn't. Yeah. yeah. You didn't see anything. Um. So <laughs> as they got closer to the lights, then the lights started glaring oh, off sure. of the windshield. So it was just like this bright light. They were. They were able to land this plane looking out the side windows. No oh, shit. Yeah. Well, how did they... To well, find the anyway, runway lights. I was going to say, how did they not get sandblasted, but... Uh, it must whatever. have been just coming straight yeah. or something. This the angle, maybe. Um, 
But they were actually able to make what was considered a an extremely smooth landing under any circumstances. My fucking lord! Yep. Can you imagine being in that plane and all of a sudden you're Everyone on the ground? Applauded. No shit. Yes, <laughs> probably kissed the. Ground. I would have blown him. Yeah. <laughs> like several times. <laughs> There were no physical injuries and no deaths. Everybody was fine. Because the plane landed fine. Yeah, there wasn't... Nobody died of a heart attack or anything. Everybody was okay. (laughs) That night, nobody died. (laughs) Yeah. The next day, a couple people, like... As they waited for the stairs to be brought out for the parked aircraft, senior engineer officer Barry Townley Freeman noticed, he's like, there's a bunch of black dust all over me. And he's like... We flew through a fucking volcano. That's when he knew. Ouch. Okay. Like, I think I know what this was the whole time. And, of course, he was right. Um, to wrap up the Galungung uh, eruption, a total of 18 people ended up dying because of the eruption. Mostly because oh, okay. of, like, traffic incidents sure. and stuff. Um, and there's actually... This is a terrible photo of some of the aftermath. Oh, yeah. And here it is. pyroclastic flow? Yeah. Yes. Here it is erupting in 1982 as well. I'm not sure what date. Look how fucking high in the air that goes. Well, they were at 29,000 feet. It looks like a fucking monster, though. It does, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the investigation into the incident revealed, of course, Flight 009 had indeed passed through a cloud of volcanic ash, causing all of the problems we previously mentioned. The reason the engines were able to restart was because the plane descended first out of the ash and then the engines cooled off. So that oh, solidified okay. all the gunk. Enough of it like flew back out to make it so they could restart the engine. That's crazy. So yeah, that not that wild? Um, when asked about the incident in 2010, Captain Moody retained his title of Captain Understatement by saying, quote, it was, yeah, a little bit frightening. <laughs> Fucking Christ. This guy. Like, yeah. He would go on to... I bet he's great at parties. <laughs> he would go on to be like a media commentator yeah. about aviation stuff yeah. for years. And he le- later said, quote, I remember telling my wife that interest in us would cease after Christmas 1982. How wrong could I have been? No shit. It's because you flew through a volcano. Yeah. And survived. Everybody survived. Yeah. It's like Sully. Early Sully, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I'd give this... I think this one's much more impressive. Well... Because... But you know I what mean, it was? It was repeatable. Yeah. Let's get into that yeah. really quick here. So, the airspace surrounding Galungong was wisely temporarily shut down. Unfortunately, wasn't for quite long enough. 19 days later, July 13th, 1982... Another plane, Singapore Airlines this time, another 747, flying from Singapore to Melbourne. Again, over Galungong, three engines failed in their case, sending them from 30,000 feet, or about 9,100 meters, to 8,000 feet, or 2,400 meters, before Captain Nicholas Evans and his crew were able to restart one of them and land. Again, no injuries, no deaths. Wow. Jakarta air traffic controllers later stated they were never informed of the eruption. They didn't know about it. And then the the third incident I referred to happened seven years later. On December 15th, 1989, this was KLM 867, another 747, headed from Amsterdam to Tokyo with a stopover in Anchorage, Alaska. 
Mount Redoubt, a volcano a little southwest of Anchorage, had erupted the day before. Again, 867 found itself flying through the ash. Interestingly, Redoubt is also part of the Pacific Ring of Fire, like on the opposite end of the clock face okay. as, uh, as Galungung. Just like 009, all four engines failed, the plane dropped, but we have a passenger uh, account of this. So 20-year-old David Farrell gave the Anchorage Daily News these highlights from a passenger's perspective. Oh, no. Quote, we went into this steep descent. It was the worst thing I've ever been through. Like there was just this weight pulling down on the nose of the plane. It was dark. People were screaming, throwing up. It was like you can imagine. Pretty near panic. The stewardesses cried, everybody put seatbelts on. Some tried. Everybody just held on. End quote. The plane dropped to around 12,000 feet or 3,600 meters before the engine could be restarted. But that's especially scary considering that this plane was flying over the Talkeetna Mountains, which could rise as high as 14,000 oh, feet yeah, or 4,200 fucking... meters. Uh-huh. Wow. Again, the pilot, Carl van der Elst, and his crew were able to land the plane with no injuries, no deaths. Now, obviously, the difference maker in each of these instances has been good crews, right? Doing sure. what they're supposed to in these emergency situations. It seems like almost at this point, there's like a book on it. Like, right? if you fly into a volcano, you here's, descend enough, here's what you do. Restart the engines. You right? don't worry about the passengers because they're going to be freaked out anyway. Right. <laughs> like, don't, like, don't even bother. You focus on your shit. But what's terrifying is when is it going to happen that this happens no, in a mountain range and they're not going to be so lucky. Yeah. Right? Knock will... on wood, hopefully it doesn't. Ever. It hasn't to date. I know, you which know? is fucking crazy. It Out is. Out of 253 mm-hmm. some chances. Now, we're, getting, we're at the very end. What do you think I was going to mention about why the... 2010 to 2016 there were 122 incidents with a volcano i was i was gonna say just there's uh, i'm trying to put this in a non because i don't think it necessarily has anything to, i don't think volcanoes necessarily have anything to do with climate change oh. but but i but i think that there's just maybe a change in flight patterns something like that that puts planes over volcanoes on a more consistent basis than there used to be. Maybe I mean, there's more decent... planes in the sky than there used to be, but... Th- those are all decent hypotheses. I'd be very interested to look into volcanic activity as it pertains to climate change. Almost everything on the Earth is affected by climate sure. change, so I'd be interested to to see that. But no, do you but, remember... But, but I mean, the volcano is happening from within inside the Earth. Yes, so... but... There can, I would imagine that, like, temperatures on Earth also. I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, But no, I don't know if you remember this. I kind of do. In 2010, a volcano on Iceland erupted. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, had major air traffic disruptions. I think that's what the big uptick was. Um, oh, okay. It was big sure. enough to cause a gigantic air traffic shutdown, affected passengers all over the world for several days. Honestly, I kind of want to save that as a topic for another day. Okay. So, um, uh, but it does give us like some pertinent examples of that happening. Like recently, this still happens. It will keep happening um, until and unless our aircraft somehow don't need engines or develop some other technology that make flying through volcanic debris not dangerous because otherwise 
the volcanoes ain't going nowhere. Uh, no, that's for sure. They so. will they will be the constant in this in this variable. And that was the story Jesus. of British Airways Flight Fuck 009. That. No. And it's just like, what is the most terrifying thing you can? Like pretty much that. Yes. Like, yeah. Like or imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause only the only things that could be more terrifying than that would be things that couldn't be real, like Godzilla destroying your city. <laughs> You well, I mean? actually, a mid-air collision would be horrific. Yeah, but it would, you would never see it coming. Like, it would be over before you... Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, before you even knew what you were experiencing. Yeah. But... Um, really cutely, just a side note, um, I think it was... Yeah, it was the, um, it was 009, um, one lady met a guy on that plane, and 11 years later, they got married. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, talk about a... <laughs> shared. A, a shared experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you remember that time we... Uh, Almost died? Yeah, several times. Yes. <laughs> in a... I'm guessing this happened over, what, like a 30, 45 minute window? Something like that? Mm-mm. No? A few minutes, I think. No, but I'm talking about from when they first oh, experienced it to when, when they, they landed. landed. I couldn't find when they landed. Okay. Um, if anyone wants to read the log article, which is pretty thorough and done from like an aviation standpoint, goes into a lot more detail, ericmoody.com, the pilot. If you go there, it's a super old looking website. It's got his picture on it. And then it all it is is a link to that article. That's funny. As a PDF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, obviously, it affected him quite a bit. Uh, yeah. That's, it. it's wild to me. But I'm, it's also, you know, a little bit of a testament to your pilots know what they're doing, yep. generally. These are trained professionals. Mm-hmm. And part of that training, I'm sure, is you stay the fuck calm. Or just, you can yeah. get us out of this yeah. sometimes. And, like, if we don't have a specific game plan for flying over a volcano... We do have a specific game plan for when you lose all four engines. Exactly. So that's what we're going to roll mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yep. Cut everything off. Cut everything else off that you might need. Mm-hmm. We're just going to glide for a little while. Mm-hmm. And hope. Yeah. Because that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that fucking, we don't see an obstruction before we get our engines back. Yep. And that's, that's fucking all you can do. Mm-hmm. But... Like eventually, like if we if we get no obstructions from anything, eventually we'll be able to get our engines back. And yeah, it, it'll be fucking horrifying for about two minutes for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. But eventually, better that than death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh my fucking god, no, no. I know. No. Can we get a fucking like bullet train, please? <laughs> like, can we have one of those? There bullet train incidents too that's fine sure. but it's happening again it's happening so goddamn fast mm. and mm. you wouldn't you wouldn't be you wouldn't be going over a volcano in a train <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure they would they would make the tracks go around it <laughs> but then you might get the pyroclastic flow whatever you know <laughs> you wouldn't be in the air <laughs> What if it was an underground? Because they've talked about building a trans the hyperloop. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What if? But then what if there was from, an air- from, earthquake? From Time from Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Oh God. <laughs> the, my question though still remains: Who the fuck reads Time Magazine? Well, my question was like, who else were they considering if this guy was number one? Well, wasn't Donald Trump the 
was it he was like a couple years ago man of the year so the, but he became president year. so that made sense like like well, Elon, Elon Musk, Musk can buy the president so he's probably working on that or has done it Who yeah knows? tried but uh yeah. yeah this episode like yeah no I don't I'm not feeling it <laughs> <laughs> Not feeling it at all. Like this is something else for me to think about the next time I fly. <laughs> so Merry Christmas, anybody who uh, who celebrates Christmas. It, they people lived. Yay! Yes, everybody lived. Everybody, and lived. we're not injured. Yeah, just that's right. freaked out. Freaked the fuck out. Needed lots of therapy. Probably, I was gonna say probably still have PTSD. Yep, I would you sure know. think so. Uh, but other than that, yay! <laughs> 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 yeah mm. all right well uh yeah we're not doing another one we're not doing a plane crash ever again <laughs> I, I don't I, because i don't because i don't want to find new reasons for a plane to crash <laughs> like i've already got enough you don't uh, need to be more terrified of flying no yeah <sighs> so that was british airways flight 009 our christmas miracle sode or 009 yeah, either way 009 009 or 009 <laughs> And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah.